Welcome back in uh, to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Chris Yao, alongside Mo Patton. Finally, he is back and not in the car. No, no. Although that was certainly, certainly interesting. It was, it was different. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was kind of there and then I was gone. My bad. Um, <laughs> well, you were heading into Mississippi, so we know what happened. <laughs> oh, man. Excited to get back into the the swing and the groove. And it's always a good time when we get a chance to talk to Matt Brown, who we've not had on as recently as I would like to have had him on. So, Matt, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me on today. It's always a pleasure. Man, he sounds good. I know. He's, he, he said he had a studio in his basement. I see that. It's a really nice... You got the pennants and everything. That's, he that's sounds solid. and looks better than we do. I know. Can we get you to come down here and set yeah, up our set studio? A, set up our studio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean listen, I am, I'm happy to take any opportunity I possibly can to get out of Chicago these days. I feel like <laughs> we've had, I've seen the sun four times in the last like two months. Um, so yeah, we'll just write that off as a business expense. We'll come, we'll come set up shop. Sounds great. We'll buy, we'll buy the beer, Matt. Yeah. Okay. That that, that sounds great. You get the beer, you get the barbecue. Oh, hello. I'll bring the, I'll bring the the microphone and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do it. Come on. (laughs) Don't threaten me with a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey Matt. Um, as Chris was saying, some, some recent and ongoing, developments in nil i guess and the one thing that i've been saying since this came about to the primarily old codgers for lack of a better phrase who want to say that the transfer portal and nil spell the end of college athletics which i think is a load of fill in the blank but it certainly needs some modification some tweaking if you will uh Tell us more about what you're seeing as far as that goes. I think you would hear the exact same thing when you talk to coaches, when you talk to athletic directors. And and quite frankly, you'll even hear some of this if you talk to athletes themselves right now. Because on one hand, um, this the, the current system is unquestionably better from my perspective than what we had maybe two years ago, and that athletes now get a chance to share in some of the money that the, from this gigantic college sports enterprise. And they have a lot more... Uh, autonomy. They have a lot more power than they had before. Which is a problem for a lot of people. uh, Absolutely. If you are a football coach that's only capable of running, uh, you know, operating as a despot of having complete power over everybody, you are not going to function very well in this world. This is, we saw this with Gary Patterson at TCU. I think Urban Meyer would be an example of a coach that is not really capable of operating in, in this kind of environment where people have more autonomy look at somebody like Deion Sanders, who I think is much more equipped to, to handle this world. So this, you know, th- that that's changing. And, and this has always been the case. This is this was the case in the 60s. This was the case in the 80s, too, as what players respond to has changed. You have to adapt to go with it. And that being said, there's I, 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 I think we err if we uh, pretend that th- this change has not had some some challenging uh, consequences or, or, or some potential externalities. And one of those that I look at is the role of agents. Um, right now, a lot of college athletes you know, are not permitted to have agents, which they weren't before, which can be a really great thing. A, a lot of agents are attorneys. 
lot of agents have a lot of experience and negotiations and, and contracts and can help athletes make better decisions and get access to better deals. But if you're an agent in the NFL, you have to be what's called NFLPA certified. You have to uh, either have a law degree, you either have to have a college degree and a lot of professional experience, and somebody from that players' union has to check you out and say, "All right, this person's legitimate. He's not, uh, you know, he's, he's not trying to rip anybody off. He's an actual businessman." The NBA has something similar. For college, there's almost no certifications whatsoever. Anybody can be an agent. You guys can be agents. I can decide to be an agent. I have I, I have done NIL deals myself. I have talked to people representing athletes only to get them on the phone and realize you are 20. You are an undergraduate saying that you're an agent and you're representing some guy down the floor on, on your dorm. Uh, or you're somebody who knows less about this world than I do, which I, I, I think is an issue. And this is something I'll be worried about because we have high schoolers coming in or freshmen and they don't have the life experience or the professional experience to really separate people who have their long-term future in mind versus people that just want that immediate pay, uh, payday, particularly if you're an agent that doesn't, doesn't have a law degree and can't work with somebody in the pros. I think we are seeing some athletes hit the portal right now in search of a short-term bag from a collective, even if that's not necessarily the best thing for their academic or uh, athletic career, just to enrich some other agent. And I think long-term, that's bad for fans, that's bad for players, and I think that's bad for schools. So what is, right now, and I struggle to use this term because you said we're not using it, but the wild, wild west, right? <laughs> uh, but it is, it, it is completely unregulated at this point. Obviously, Pac-12 commissioner and SEC commissioner went to Washington, D.C. in hopes of finding something that they could do to have at least some sort of control over what happens with this NIL situation. It is is there anything going to come of that? And two, how soon it, would we see actual legislation or just a simple rule book of some sort? <laughs> I, I would be, I'd be very skeptical of anything happening in Washington, D.C. in the near future. You know, and, and that's part of <laughs> no that, matter, no matter what, no matter what right? part of that's just a reflection of the calendar. And I want to answer this question without being partisan. Um, and just trying to, to be as even-handed as I possibly can. Friends, it is it is May, and there's going to be a new election in November. And mm -hmm. this is around the time of year, typically, when everyone in Congress basically stops trying to do anything so they can just focus on, the, on that re-election. It's also a time of year when, uh, uh, you know, even if you are really invested in college sports, we got to be honest, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. We got a war in Eastern Europe. We have uh, high inflation we have high gas prices. We have a Supreme Court battle. We have a bunch of existential crisis happening all at the same time, which means that Senator Blackburn has got a bunch of other things going on before she can figure out what to do about the NCAA. And the dirty truth is most senators don't actually care about college sports. They don't care about college sports, and most of them are not fans. They, they, are, not, they are not really paying attention on Saturday. They care insofar as their donors or a couple of other constituents are, are pushing them to care on, on a couple of weekends. That's not, a, that's not a Republican thing or a Democrat thing. That's just a rich people in Washington, D.C. kind of thing. And, and so because of all that, if this is not cracking the top 10 of anybody's, I absolutely got to get this stuff done right now, it's not going to get done. And what's going to happen is in November, probably Republicans take the House, probably Republicans take the Senate, 
you've still got a Democrat in, uh, in, in, in office and a lot, and there's a, there's not really a Republican consensus about what to do about NIL or what to do about college sports uh, in general. It's different from what a lot of Democrats are pushing. So I think the smart money is probably nothing happens in DC for the next two years on this particular issue. The, the folks that are most invested in it are mostly Democrats who are about to lose their committee seats or Republicans who are retiring. If we're going to see a rule book or any kind of regulation, you're going to see, it looks like the NCAA is going to try to enforce a couple of these things maybe this week. They'll probably be sued over it, and we'll see We'll see what happens. Anyone hoping for order to be imposed upon them from somewhere else, I think, is going to be left wanting. That's, uh, that is the most comprehensive answer you could have asked for. And, Matt, I think— And, and the most on point. Absolutely. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I think that is— that is the key that that a lot of people are not thinking about here is because we care about it, but not everyone does. And especially when it's the people. And, and we get caught up in, in a lot of people like us think that because we care about it that everyone everybody. else does. And the, the, the truth of the matter is they don't. And so I, there, there's a lot more stuff going on. And for some people, a lot more important stuff sure. going on. So. I, I'm, but I'm, it is a mess. It, exactly. Something's got to be done. I don't know what, but to say NIL or the transfer portal is going to kill the, the sport, I think is crazy. But I do think well, that here's the thing. in its current state, it's going to hurt a lot more than it helps. Well, and, and as I've said on a couple of occasions, if it kills it, maybe it should. <laughs> because if the only way for college athletics to be successful, as Matt said, is for all of the power to be on the sidelines and none of the power on the field or on the court. Something's basically wrong. Matt, how do we how do we navigate situations like what we're seeing with uh, you know in Pittsburgh and Miami right now? You know, I, I wish I had a really great answer. And I, I, I tell folks about this, which I know doesn't make for good sports radio. But if I had a perfectly working crystal ball, or if I knew exactly how to fix these issues. Oh, I know a guy with a crystal ball. Mo, all right. Mo Stradamus over here has a crystal yeah. ball. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 great. Listen, you, you, you come work for me and we'll go charge this newsletter more than eight bucks a month, right? If I didn't have to fix this stuff, I'd get on the bus to Indianapolis and I'd go fix it. They wouldn't when, listen. When, exactly. Yeah. I, they wouldn't. They're probably not. Like what? What I what I for the situation in Pittsburgh. What I would say is, I think it's important as like a national media guy that I I, I we have to look and rec and like recognize that if you're a Pitt fan, I think you are justified in being angry. It is a fact of life across almost all sports worldwide that talent often flows from mid markets to major markets, whether that, you know, like I'm from Ohio, I watch this happen in the NBA all the time. This is a thing that happens, but in other sports, you know, either if it's in European soccer, the, the little team gets a transfer fee. If it's a major sport, the little team gets some draft picks or maybe some financial cap consideration or something else to help them be competitive. And because the college athletes aren't employees because there's no contracts, there's nothing to help pit. And I can definitely see a world where if that becomes the standard, it becomes more difficult to then talk to somebody who is a fan of Vanderbilt or a fan of Boston College or a fan of UNLV, God bless them, to, to remain engaged at all in, in this process. If you're a fan of Boston College, you're not rooting for national championships. You're not stupid. You know BC's never going to do that. You're rooting for nine and three seasons and occasionally the ability to put Florida State or Miami in a garbage can. In order to do that, you need you got to be able to hit on a couple of these three-star guys that become first-round draft picks. 
And if those people can leave and go to Miami or Florida State before they have a chance to really develop at BC, then I think it's difficult to argue why you should continue to remain invested in those. And college football, in order to be great, and college basketball too, I think requires people to be bought in from programs beyond just Duke and North Carolina and basketball and beyond just the same five or six schools here. You could fix that in a couple of different ways. You could fix it by making athletes employees and paying them money and giving them contracts. You could fix that by uh, maybe having more draconian um, transfer portal rules, which are not really good for athlete well-being or or social justice, but might help this in some other ways. Um, you might be able to do that by, through collective bargaining, which is something that a lot of administrators don't want to do. There's not a great answer at this point. This is something that should have been fixed 15 years ago. Mark Emmert and a bunch of these athletic directors weren't proactive. And now I think it's more of a question of which one of these very uncomfortable and maybe bad ideas do you want to pick? Because all the good ideas are pretty much gone at this point. There you go. Matt Brown, extra points at Matt Brown EP on Twitter. Go subscribe to the newsletter. It's $8 a month. And it's the most informative thing that you will get on college sports, I promise you. And that's from every level. From FCS to major college sports, you, you won't find anything better. Matt, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you for all of your great answers and uh, looking forward to putting this out on the podcast because it's it's going to be the best podcast we've ever had, I think. Thanks for having me, fellas. I, I appreciate it. I'm always happy to talk about this stuff, and I appreciate the kind words and support. And when you do get down this way for a barbecue and beer, let us know. Oh yeah, we're in. No, that's that, <laughs> that that's a promise. I I'm very soon. I'm gonna I'm gonna start hitting the road. I've got a bunch of places in the south I got to get to. I'm gonna be in Atlanta a couple of times for some conferences this summer. I hope I hope to get everywhere because the only good ribs you can get in Chicago are ones that can't people that came from Tennessee. Um, and and we gotta we got we gotta listen. I, I gotta eat right. Like so <laughs> we gotta. We got to hit the road. Well, I tell you, we can lay some ribs on you, but we got a couple of um, brisket spots mm. as well. So it's the, it's the best part of coming. Well, one of the best parts of coming down there. Hey, thanks, fellas. Holla at your boy. It. All right, we'll, we'll do. We'll do. Take care, guys. We're going to talk about the Nashville Predators. That's right, and the Memphis Grizzlies on the other side of the break. So stick around. Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid Tennessee Bond and Joint comes back after this.